Okay, um, I'm calling the uh, meeting to order, please. And um, Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. Trustee Lujanani has not signed on yet. Okay. We have a quorum. Okay, thank you. Um, I don't see public comment here. I don't think anyone is interested in making a public comment, so we will move. Uh, to tab one, which is the appointment of the chair. And um, we have a dilemma, but uh, I think we can solve it. Unfortunately, I think we can solve it. Um, our attorney says that um, it probably is not as good idea to, a good idea to have uh, Mr. Lugiani be because of the finance chair, and we want to keep those issues separate. Um, and my colleague, uh, Trustee Banerjee, would like to um, learn a little bit more about the audit committee. And so the chair, by um, default, will fall to me. So I have now appointed myself as the chair of the audit committee, much to Rick's chagrin. Okay, uh, we can go to um, the consent agenda, and I need a motion to approve the minutes. We approve the meeting. Thank you. Um, and the December meeting as well? And the December 2015 meeting. Thank you. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Therefore, we move into the uh, internal audit reporting, and I will turn it over to Rick. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Your Highness is really good, too. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I would like to start off with the status of the external financial audit management letter. And uh, as you will see from the attachments that start on page 15, uh, we have completed corrective action for the uh, 2015 single audit and the FY 2014 financial audit. And the five issues that are outstanding from the uh, 2015 financial audit uh, are in progress and should be completed by year end. Would you, would you remind us what those two outstanding things were? No, it's in your... What were the two outstanding things? Uh, there's actually five outstanding that are from the 2015 audit. Okay. Uh, so that's on page 16. 16. Uh, we had a... Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. So the top of the page... Those are all the issues that were cited by our previous auditors, MGO, and we're working diligently to correct them. And, and you see that they'll be done by the end of the month? The item three may not be done by the end of the month, but should be completed by the next uh, audit committee meeting. Okay. Um, then be sure and show as you have before the cross out of the date and then the new date that is completed so we can see the running the running timelines. Okay, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, moving right along, the internal audit plan for 2016 uh, is at this point still on time. I have one project on there uh, that has not started yet, uh, which is the IT penetration review. And we had some issues with uh, the vendors. Uh, Hello. 
Hi, Jim. Hey, sorry. That's okay. Thank We're on you. page 19 I'm of the agenda. challenges here. Sorry. We're on page 19 of the agenda. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had some issues with uh, vendors getting access to the data center because they're competitors and uh, have been working through those, and it should start soon. Uh, and it will be a few weeks of uh, test work and interviews, and then that will be done. So uh, I would imagine by the next audit committee meeting that it's going to be done also. And that's limited work on my part. I'm kind of overseeing it and will monitor corrective action plans when it's done. Uh, everything else uh, either has a final report, a draft report, or the audit is significantly uh, underway and should be completed by the next meeting. And the final reports for these things show up where? Uh, they'll be in this package in, or in the next one. In depending the, on, if I've finished them in time for this one, they're in here. Okay. Thank you. So, Rick, the one that you spoke about was the IT. Penetration review. review was the one that you said. That, so that one has not started yet. Any questions about the plan, the 2016 plan? Okay. Uh, so, moving on to the 2017 risk assessment. Uh, I performed a high-level risk assessment of the organization. Uh, I've got the, uh, you know, based on compliance risk, financial risk, and likelihood of, of issues or problems, uh, I've ranked each area and based on that, uh, developed my audit plan for 2017, uh, tried to address the uh, areas that I think are the highest risk and if there are not enough high risk areas I move to the medium ones uh, and it's really based on where I've provided coverage in the past uh, so I try not to do the same area over and over again unless it just falls out high risk every time and then I'll look at a different aspect of that area um. Jim and Ken Kenny, before the meeting started, I talked with Rick about, and I'm still not quite certain I understand the monitoring of the Toyon report and how the elements in that Toyon report get get monitored. And while um, I know David is doing quite a bit with with that, my question to Rick was why. Why that? Why some of those are, are not on your list of things that that should be should be done, and and monitored. Um, and my concern is um, is that um, we need to make certain, particularly relative to the grand jury report, the county hiring, you know, the people to come in and do the assessment. I want to make certain that we have a um, a double checked, so that's what I see as our auditor doing is doing the double checking to make certain that we are on target to getting those toy on things completed. So uh, I'm not understanding how that fits into your plan, nor, or, or maybe you could explain how those things work and how it gets back to the board so that the board is feels comfortable that we can go to the county in good conscience and say you know these things have in fact been done 
I'm particularly concerned because of that grand jury report and some of the other things that came out earlier. Um, I just I just don't want us to lose track of those issues that we got slammed with. That was exactly my see those elements um, being monitored. Uh, so currently that is not part of my plan. Uh, I am a member of the revenue cycle uh, steering committee and uh, Dave Gravender and David Cox are our executive sponsors. We have uh, uh, members from across the organization and uh, we meet, uh, if, is it bi-weekly or is it monthly? Monthly. Uh, monthly to talk about the status and that's usually uh, an agenda item on that uh, committee. So I've been involved with looking at that, but that's a, a lot of individual projects throughout the organization. Uh, a lot of those are in patient accounting. Some of them are in other areas. Uh, and we have IT at the table and uh, medical records um, and a, a lot of different members of patient accounting to address those individual projects. Oh. There were some higher overarching things that were there, you know, single source of truth, and some of the other things that making sure. And so it, there were subdivisions among them, many, many, you know, different things, but there were some that were very pertinent to operations and accounting practices that, were where, that would be um, vital. And I would think, Rick, you know, I don't want to, because because of your knowledge of what is, is high risk and not, and certainly the board is not aware of the more high risk, but I, I would think that that you would put, you would take care of those things that you see as high risk first, but that issues of the Toyan report so that the board knows an individual is looking and can report back. And that's not to say that David... David hasn't been doing some things, but we haven't heard about the Toyin report in quite a while. And I just don't want to be in a place at a county meeting and we have no idea where that progress has been. And so how does that, how does your work, knowing that you're directed by the board and not, and not the staff, how does that fit into this thing? If I saw one of those areas as one of the higher risk areas, then I should put it on my plan. Uh, there's a lot of different projects, uh, a lot of uh, longer term uh, items that are on there that are going to take some time to implement. Uh, I didn't see those things as something that should go on my audit plan because most of them are uh, work in progress. And I usually come in after the fact and review uh, how things were implemented to make sure that they did what they said they were going to, going to do. Well, so. when we had the report on the Toyon, the last report, there was a column that said completed. So there were things that were completed. And I suppose then it seems to me that our auditor ought to go in and make certain that those things are completed. Um, so I, I, I'm sympathetic to, to the ongoing stuff and you can't really, can't really make an assessment if it's not done. But if it's listed as completed, 
we need to make certain that, in fact, you feel comfortable that those things are completed. And, and if, it, if Toyon, because, it, uh, and, and it may be my ignorance, and so you have to help me understand this dynamic here. Um, but if the Toyon report is there, and we don't know as a board what has been completed, and I go to the county and they ask the question, and mm -hmm. I say, well, our auditor said there were things that were higher risk than the Toyon report, that would make me choke since the Toyon report got so much public, and you're saying that there are more things that are at risk than the Toyon report. So now we have a double jeopardy issue going on, and that's not a good answer for me to give to a county official. So ease my mind. How, how does that work? That would be difficult to say because I can't remember all the items that are on that Toyon report. Uh, there's a lot of them. There was, if you, we've, we've built the matrix, we review it at the steering committee, uh, we make sure that corrective action is moving along, uh, but I think that it's probably something I should add on the plan so that I can give you some assurance that the higher risk things on there are being addressed and that it, it, the ones that are completed are in fact completed, and I can do that. Jim, does that make sense to you? Jim, you might be muted. Um, maybe. Okay, well, so anyway, we have, we have two of us who think that that's probably a good idea, Rick. So, okay. Uh, and I don't want to overwhelm you with work, so if you want to take something off of this, because you don't have the staff to do it, you want to take something off and put those toy on things on, that's completely understandable. Um, uh, at this point, I, will, I would like to add just toy on follow-up as an item on the plan. And once I've gone through and assessed exactly what that means, then uh, I could come back and ask for a modification of the plan at a future meeting. Sounds fair. Okay. Oh, hello, this is Jim. Can you hear me now? Yes. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I was like madly going, I have a comment, I have a comment. Um, let me make my comment. Um, I think with respect to the Toyon report, what, what, I'm, um, what I'm consistently hearing from management is, you know, an awful lot of the things that we're seeing you know, that the Toyon reported on, we also saw and we're dealing with in our own way. Um, and I think what the board has consistently been saying is, please separately report on Toyon. And I think... And I think that um, um, bo both, both are valid approaches, but I think that we really do need to have a separate report on how we're doing on Toyon. And it may well be duplicative of other, of other progress reporting we hear. But um, because of the prominence it has, we just need that. Now, I also think that we need to hear from... Uh, Toy on itself, and whether that's Nancy Katz or someone else, it seems that we've had an awful lot of difficulty in getting the authors of the report to come and talk to us. Now, I know that, you know, we're not paying the bill, but still, um, I think that we really could use, 
I would appreciate it if we heard more from Toyon itself, unless they're not involved in any, unless they're not involved in this anymore. Uh, um, Jim, I suppose that's why uh, that's why I thought our own auditor could assist yeah. us in that process. Because what I what I would hate to have happen is to have mm-hmm. them come in to the the people who did it initially and find that. And I don't believe that this would be the case, but find that the stuff still isn't done or is only half done and we haven't been mm-hmm. addressing those issues. So that's really what my the impetus to my thinking was if we had our own auditor do mm-hmm. a, a look at those things, report back to the board before we brought – before we brought the county back in, that might give yeah. us a little more confidence that, uh, and and mm-hmm. I think political coverage, frankly, um, that things were moving along. That, that makes sense. I would just have one question then, and this is, you know, is Rick or is our auditor the right person to do it, or is someone else? And I, I worry more about just um, workload. I, I don't worry about competence. I worry about workload. Um, because um, um, Rick, Rick's got a pretty uh, uh, Rick's not overburdened with a large staff. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. And so, and so it, you know, so it's like you know, so and and I do think you know, I think that if we we should be tracking against Toyon, we should do it right, and. You know, maybe that's a full-time job for someone, or or a half-time job. And if that's the case, then so be it, perhaps. But I, I just thought, I just want to make sure that in giving that res- you know gi- giving you know giving that responsibility that there's that there's the uh, resource there to um, to get it done, and and still get all the other stuff that we're expecting done by the auditor done. Yeah, I, I don't see Rick. So I'm, I'm fixing trying, I'm trying things. To be support- I'm, try- I'm trying to be supportive and positive here. Yeah, I think you are. Um, and I guess you're in the best place to tell us, Rick, but, um, and then maybe what you need to do is to go and talk with your, your staff or administration and figure out how, in fact, the board gets, gets an update relative to the, to the Toyon report, and we're comfortable that in, these things are, have been moving along. Okay. Uh, so I will put this on my plan uh, I will do an assessment of the Toyon report and see, uh, work with management to see what it is that I can do and uh, provide some feedback uh, to the committee about how we're progressing on that. And we can adjust from there. Okay. Sounds good. That sound like a plan? Yes, it does. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, and, and my other comment does still stand. It's like, does seem to me, I don't know if everyone else agrees, that it's been awfully, uh, it just seems to have been difficult to get folks from Troyon to come back and give us their impressions of, of how we're doing. Have we so, asked them? I don't know yes. that we've asked them. Um, well, you don't have- um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a little bit of a challenge the last time we asked, but I think that was largely driven by the concurrent uh, um, nature of the request from both this board and the Board of Supervisors, as well as uh, what you uh, pointed out before, which is that the, the, the relationship contractually um, um, and the payment, obviously, was with the county, not with us. So it was, it was sort of a favor, but the favor was, was 
enabled by the fact that the county wanted it as well. If we, if you wanted us to engage Toyon to actually uh, give, you know, to do a specific follow-up for us, then you know we you you request that and we'll we'll do it. Um, but uh, we we I don't I don't want to suggest that uh, they've been difficult to. Uh, uh, get before the board uh, beyond the, the last time that we asked because we haven't asked since then. Yeah, but I think I thought Nancy was here on March or April, wasn't she? Just a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, and that was that was in response to the last ask. Okay. Uh, uh, but we haven't asked yeah. since that time. I think it was. Just seemed, it took a, just seemed to me it took an awful lot of asking. It, it did. Yeah, um, I, I think you're you're right that there was there was some uh, um, has well I don't want to even call it hesitation, but there was. It was a little bit of a, a wrinkle there, uh, driven by some of the stuff I just mentioned. So I think you're right. Yeah. So I mean, look, I'm not I'm not hard over on that. Other than, um, yeah, this is kind of like I think it's also, you know, in fairness to management, if um, you know, if Toyota is going reporting to, you know, to the county, and, and they're the ones who are paying the bills, and that's perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, in the interest of, you know, collaboration and all that, it would be nice to, you know, just get, you know, hear, get the report from them. And there's a nuance that's often the most important, um, you know, when, when you get the report from the author. Um, you know, and their report can come to us, can come after the reports of the county, whatever makes logical sense. So just be, um, uh, it just seems, it just seems to make sense to me, um, you know, because, you know, we're, we're all trying. We're all we're all we're all going for the same thing, which is to make this a better organization. I don't think there's any there's nothing. Uh, so we, we we might as well use all, make sure we have advantage take advantage of all the resources that are available. And I kind of look and I go, wow, someone's paying for these really good consultants. Let's make sure we get the best use possible out of that. So my yeah. two cents. So in order for Toyon to come in and and address what's going on with these things, they really would have to do another assessment and it would be a significant amount of work in order for them to put their name on another report that says we are good, bad, or indifferent. So, like I said, I, I will assess this, come back with a plan, and okay. we'll, we'll take it from there. Ruby. Okay. So with all that being said, Page 25 of your package has the 2017 internal audit plan. And based on my risk assessment, I had decided I needed to look at NPI billing numbers. Uh, we've had a number of issues with those lately. And this is national provider identification numbers used for billing uh, any payer. Rick, would you, would you um, before you go to 25, what is the relationship between your um, risk assessment rating on the 22-23 and part of 24 and page 25? Uh, so based on the items that I rated as the highest on 22 and 23, uh -huh. Uh, I then identify a project to do within that area that I think would uh, have some significant results. And so I'm, for an example, uh, billing is one of the highest rated areas 
it's a solid dot. And so I'm going to do the... But DISRIP wasn't. DISRIP is not, but I didn't have that many uh, high-risk areas that I wasn't doing work in already. Uh, so utilization management and uh, medical social services, I'm doing a significant amount of work in there right now, uh, which you will get reports on soon. Uh, I was, I didn't see those as uh, that high of financial risk, but they're they're up there. There's potential issues there. Uh, so I'm trying to provide some broader coverage, and and yet hit those high risk areas. Uh, since I'm doing work in those, I moved on to some medium projects, medium rated projects. And all the high rated projects are completed? Either completed or in process right now. Uh, some of them are compliance reviews, some of them are uh, internal audit reviews. Okay, well, do you want to talk about those things that are high rated that you've done? Uh, so billing was the highest rated, uh, outpatient 340B and pharmacy. Uh, we're going to talk about those in a few minutes. Uh, and I've got that on the plan again because I think there's some other issues there. Um, medical social services is high rated. Uh, we've had a number of issues with referrals lately. Uh, I've been in there for months uh, working through that process to identify exactly what the issues are and what we need to do about it. Um, application support is high rated, but I'm not going there uh, because that's doing an IT review that's uh, a little bit more than my technical expertise. Uh, but I've been working with IT on other issues in, in IT. What is application support? As, as different from technical support? Application support, or, that would be the people that are actually uh, making modifications to the systems, uh, maintaining them. Well done. Welcome. <laughs> yes, it is the people that, that modify the system. So they go in and make screen changes, change the data fields, and help our users in uh, applying those applications in their business areas. Okay. So they can go in and make changes to the systems and, and affect where the, how the data flows and where it goes. So just the support people who are working on the application. Or, or even implementing new applications. Okay. Yeah, we we have about you. 60 of those people. That's helpful. Versus techni technical support is usually your desktop people. Correct. That, are that I understand. Yeah. PC so you can log right. on. Right. right. I got it. All right. Thank you. And what about outpatient? You have that on, on your list? 340B Pharmacy. Uh-huh. Uh, that uh, we're going to talk about when we get to the regulatory issues. Uh, but 340B program is very complex. It has a lot of uh, rules that we haven't followed very well. And uh, it's a lot of high-dollar drugs that are being administered. Uh, so we can get into trouble really quick if we're doing things wrong. So you took the financial risk things first. Is that is that your priority? Uh, for internal audit, it's usually a financial risk. And the compliance areas are addressed in the compliance plan. So, so explain to me a little bit more about page 22 and 23. 
So the circles and then the half circles, some you're going to address, some you're not. So I, I do this to try to identify the highest risk areas and then I'm either working on something in that area or I'm identifying a project for next year to do in that area. So what does likelihood of problems mean? That means that based on my understanding of how things work in that area, uh, there are problems that need to be addressed and I need to get in there. So there's, it's to this concept that I want to call auditor's judgment. Uh, I learn a lot about the company. I see a lot of things. I hear about issues. We have uh, external auditors coming in and addressing things, finding problems. Uh, we have consultants that uh, bring up issues. So if I think that an area is running real smooth, it has a very low rating. If I think there's problems in the area, then it gets a higher rating. But you might not necessarily get a higher rating, but you might not necessarily take care of it. Is that, is that the idea? Uh, it needs to be taken care of, and it's either me or somebody else. Yeah. So I try to get to all those areas, but there's only so much coverage I can provide each year, which is why I try to rotate assignments. Okay, so, so tell me the thought about taking on the DISREP versus charge capture. DISREP is, a, is not as serious as charge capture. So how does that, I, I, I'm trying to understand how the so audit process works, is really what I'm doing here. DISRIP is about $50 million a year, and if we don't have proper support for the initiatives that we undertook for DISRIP, then we run the risk of losing all or part of that $50 million. Okay. And so I consider it to be medium risk because it's only $50 million, but uh, it's, it's important because the project teams change so often uh, that I need to make sure that we have appropriate documentation and that we met the milestones. Uh, otherwise, a year or two down the road, an auditor comes in here and says, I want to audit this program, and we look around and nobody's here anymore, and nobody knows where the documentation is. So it, it's the same way with meaningful use. Uh, I've been asked by management to look at these programs every year because we run the risk of losing all that money. And, and, and charge capture, how does that, I mean, that's a big dot, black dot, and it's not on your immediate list. Charge capture is, is really uh, in conjunction with billing. I look at charge capture all the time. Okay. Uh, it's, I don't do it as a separate project because it's really, uh, it could be charge capture in one of a hundred different areas of the company. Each one does it a little bit different. I've got to go in and, and focus on a specialty uh, and look at how ortho captures charges or look at how surgery captures charges uh, because they're all doing it slightly different. They've got some different billing rules. Uh, so try to do those type of reviews uh, whenever I can uh, because they could be substantial dollars also. Right. It's not that they're coming in and taking money away from us, but we're not capturing the charge so we can't bill it. 
So by having billing, the, the NPI billing, you will also get the car, you'll also investigate. That's why you put the billing on here and. So the NPI numbers for this year is not going to address charge capture issues. It's going to address what billing number we use when we bill a payer to make sure that it's appropriate. We've had some issues recently where uh, we build uh, K6, K7, K5, all using the same NPI number because it's Island Hospital. But then we had uh, an auditor come back and say, well, you're billing K5s and this NPI says it's only for K6. So we should disallow all those charges. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, so I want to go through and make sure that we've got the NPI number set up properly so that it captures the appropriate group of billing entities uh, so that we don't have problems with payers disallowing mass claims. Thank you. I thought NPI was uh, for the Michelle, whole. Uh, okay. This is Jim. Yes. There's actually a, um, there's sort of a second level question here. Um, but you, which is, you know, how much audit resource are, are we allocating? And, um, you know, like I've said, I've said this many times, you know, I mean, Rick runs a very taut, lean shop. And, you know, I think one of the questions that we probably want to ask as a committee is, you know, what would we get if we added one more headcount, for example? Um, that may be something we don't want to do, but, you know, uh, I think, Rick, you're operating with, what, one, one and a half people, right? I have one person doing internal audits, uh, one person doing compliance reviews, one person doing privacy reviews, and then myself. Okay, so you got one person doing audit, and you got you doing some audit, so let's call that one, it rounds up to one and a half, so what if we added one more person? Um, is there... Would we, you know, would we, as an organization, as a board, benefit from that? So, um, I, I had a question. That's, that, that's a question for the committee to ask yeah. potentially. I, yeah, and I had a question related to that as we are thinking. Is that in terms of because right now being as lean as things are. It, in terms of bandwidth for your folks that you're looking at things with the highest uh, financial risk um, too. But for quality measures such as, you know, where there might be a compliance risk but not as much as a financial risk, if, with, the, with the staffing that you have, will these ever make it on your radar of things to audit, like a quality compliance issues and things? So how might we make sure that those also get on the auditor's radar, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that goes, my sense is that goes back to the exactly. just availability of resource right. issue right. or question. You know, I guess I have a different philosophy. And, um, and so from my perspective, I don't believe it's the board's call to make the determination or recommend more people to a certain area. 
I really think that that's a management issue. If, in fact, we think he's overworked, then we want to encourage him to take his issues to management and do it but, uh, and see what they say. I think, I think our role as a board is to assure that the resources we have available are, in fact, hitting the highest priorities. Um, that, to me, is, is, is within our preview prerogative, um, rather than saying we need to add staff in this area or that area. I, I just don't think that's a board's call. Well, I, I agree with you. This is the one place where we may make an exception because, you know, audit is working for the board. Uh, I don't know. Or, or you frame it as these are the limitations of the plan. Like, you know, you might be able to say, this is my plan, this I have given these as higher ratings because of the financial implications, but these are also important, but these are some of the limitations of the plan. So sometimes you get that report which is, this is what I think the plan is, and the scope of it has some limits because of X, Y, Z, and then it puts things into perspective for us too. Not as these are not important, but these are important, but, you know, that's, this is the scope we can handle. So I developed the project plan based on the available staffing at the time. Right. And you know, if I had more staff, I would be doing more projects, uh, but I'm trying to allocate these to the highest risk, uh, in my opinion. And, and thank you, Rick, and I, and I think our job is to make certain that in your thought processes that you are, that you are and I think that's why, that's why there's a challenge, is to say, you know, have you thought about this? Why did you put this one on versus something else? And I think you've answered those questions pretty fairly, and um, you're adding the toy on report. So, you know, I think that I'm satisfied with... That's just my speaking, Jim. Not I'm not using your words. Um, I, I think you're doing what you ought to be doing in the order that you think is important. But it is my responsibility as a, to to ask whether or not those are critical, and you seem to okay. think they are. Yes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> are we ready to talk about uh, the cash control audit? Mm -hmm. So. I labeled this, it's really cash control audit and pharmacy integration audit because I had my staff working on cash controls while I was doing pharmacy integration and the findings turned out to be basically the same. So I oh, squashed them into one report uh, so that I would uh, be a little bit more succinct. And basically what we found in, in cash was that we did a good job of accounting for the cash that we received. Uh, everything reconciled, uh, the spreadsheets and, and patient accounting showed the cash coming in the door, it went over to uh, accounting, got booked in the general ledger, everything was good, except we found a bunch of checks that were significant dollar amounts that were being delayed getting to uh, the bank. And it turned out that we had a number of different areas. They had different addresses on their checks. They were being sent into different parts of the company. And 
they would be uh, sitting in somebody's inbox for weeks before they got to uh, patient accounting to be deposited. So we're working with these areas. We've uh, kind of implemented a, a cash control policy. We're making sure that we route all these checks to specified lock boxes. They get deposited immediately and life is good. Uh, however, we also found that uh, most of these checks were coming from our outpatient retail pharmacy. Mm. And they were having the checks mailed directly to them. They were uh, delaying the deposits. And there really wasn't any general ledger control because it's a standalone pharmacy system. And other than pharmacy, uh, the accounting department never knew what was really uh, being expected. So when these checks showed up, it was like, oh, great, extra money. Let's deposit it. Uh, so we're working now on developing the plan for integrating this pharmacy system into the general ledger so that we know what to expect on a monthly basis and we can reconcile and make sure that we've received every one of those checks and that we get them deposited quickly. Then this makes, your, your report here makes a whole lot of sense because we had been seeing loss in, in pharmaceuticals and then this last report we saw that there had been now an increase in pharmaceuticals and the projected budget has in fact a growth in pharmaceuticals so um, this probably has now is now the the reason that we're seeing in the budget that we can anticipate uh, revenue in there at a, at a greater rate yeah so in the past uh when I first looked at outpatient pharmacy uh, three or four years ago, it was about $600,000 a year. And with the recent growth in 340B, it's getting up to where we're going to be uh, receiving a million dollars a month. And we hope it continues. That's great. Yeah, it is. Um, Rick, you, you have a statement in here that we should enforce a policy that requires the insurance, et cetera. Do we have such a policy in place already, or um, do we need, or you say recommendation? Do we need to develop a policy, or we, we've just been lax in enforcing it? We've been lax in enforcing okay. it. Okay. And so we need to make sure we communicate that to all areas and that we get these checks routed to the appropriate place. And okay. as we identify new checks coming in, then we will work with those uh, areas to make sure that they get routed to the lockbox. Okay. Uh, we're also working with each payer as we receive a paper check to notify them that they need to go to uh, an electronic remittance advice and an electronic uh, banking so that that money goes in automatically and we don't have to worry about handling the check. That's great. Well, you certainly earned your money there. Okay. Thank you. Any mm -hmm. questions? Uh, so the DISRIP audit delivery system reform incentive payments. Uh, I mentioned earlier it's about $50 million a year and the, the program has ended. Uh, so, okay, this last year it was only worth $30 million, $31 million because it was a short cycle. It didn't quite go the entire year uh, and we collected all but 
1.9 over the five year, 1.9 million over the five year period. I think they've done very good. Uh, most of the items that they did not make were things that they didn't meet the deadlines and they kind of made a, an informed decision not to push it. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was going to be more costly than it was going to, than we were going to receive from it. Oh, okay. So it's, it's pretty good. Uh, next year will be the new uh, prime program, mm -hmm. which replaces this. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be seeing more of the, the same kind of thing, but getting tougher milestones each year. Mm -hmm. Again, that's going to be a, a five-year period uh, for prime. So the last thing on this would be the follow-up to past reports, which is page 45, 44, 45 of your package. So under the system access IT audit, uh, we have one issue that remains outstanding, and that would be the uh, terminated employee notification. And we're actually doing... Uh, the notification now, but we need to beef up the process and wanted it more automated. Uh, so that's on the list until we can get that system in place. Will that be done by the end of the month, as you've indicated? That be done. The, the terminated employee notification. The deprovisioning process. The process is generally in place for termination, but but as documented as for what this is looking for, it, it probably won't be done by the end. We are tying that into our identity management program that's been on the list for a long time as well. Uh, and so that when people are vision brought into the system and how their deeper vision taken out of the system works in the same process. Okay. So it'll be part of that overall identity management process. Um, I know this sounds uh, bizarre, but because I experienced it personally, I'll ask. We are not paying dead people or people who have left the system still. Is that happening? That's not within my area of control for me from the idea. Well, that, that's a payroll HR perspective my, of how that In my former life, because we didn't do that same kind of thing, terminate the people out of the system, and um, we in fact continued to pay, and there were some who who had been who had died a couple years earlier and somebody was although I can honestly say they never cashed the checks we, <laughs> we, we At least did not personally. In fact, yeah we did in fact keep sending them so I just wonder how that so I did this review originally and I did not find any instances where uh, a person that had left the company was still getting a paycheck okay and recently I've I've done some payroll reviews of uncashed checks, uh, and my uh, review indicated that while we had a number of months' worth of uncashed checks for several individuals, they are still employed. They just haven't bothered to cash their checks lately. Oh, how nice. Okay. That's what I thought, too. I was, I was wishing <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it is quite a luxury. So, okay. Thank okay. you. Uh -huh. uh, the anesthesia charge under cap charge uh, excuse me Rick on the termination make certain that you cross the date so we we can yes. keep a monitoring okay I will get a new date uh, charge capture surgery we were uh, anticipating 
by the end of this month, uh, the anesthesia charge capture. Uh, that is still on the table. Uh, it hasn't been completed yet, and that would be the TALUS implementation. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to move a little bit, and I will be getting a new date on that. Okay. Uh, the ACERA audit, I have one issue still outstanding on that, and we've done our part on the vacation pay practices. Uh, we're waiting on ACERA to determine what to do about it. Uh, so it should be done soon. And you were having a meeting with the ACERA people, weren't you? Gonna... We met with the new uh, CEO. On oh, the that's meeting. right. It was a, just a, a general meet and greet and trying to talk about some broader issues. We did not discuss this. Okay. Thank you. Uh, disposal of IT assets, we had one issue still, which was the comprehensive PC inventory, which I know that's uh, work in progress. It's being worked on this month, that's where that's we're doing that. I do expect it to be done by the end of the month. And then we had a, a meaningful use issue, uh, the documentation, retention policies. Uh, again, that was similar to the DISRIP finding. I want to make sure we have uh, a SharePoint file or something out there with the documentation in it because we have team members coming and going and when we go in for an audit, we need that uh, documentation readily available. And so we're looking at the process this year. It looks like we're good on documentation. It's just organizing it so that it's readily available uh, is still an issue. Mm -hmm. but, but I expect that by the end of this month as well. And I've got admit on order. I've got two issues that are supposed to be done by the end of this month. Uh, and that would be changing our process to make sure that we uh, get people moved in, moved out, admitted timely. I think uh, John Chapman's been working on that and will be done. Delvecchio, when I look at when I looked at the budget, no. help me understand the relationship between yeah. um, days of service and discharge discharges. Days of average, average length, length. Oh, yeah. average length of service and, and oh, average length of stay yeah. and uh, discharges. Um, so. So how do those two numbers? How, how do they correlate? Yeah. So uh, the average length of stay is basically a calculation of all the admissions, sort of somewhat intuitive, so forgive me if it's that way, but all the admissions and all the total length of stay, uh, and then you, you know, divide that. So the total number of hospitalization days or hospital days for all the patients divided by the number of patients who are admitted gives you the average length of stay for those patients. Or you could do it from reverse and say, uh, you take all the discharges, which gives you the end of their, their uh, hospitalization, uh, take all those days, divide them by the discharge, and then you get the average length of stay. And, uh, and you were talking about how it connects to, connects to average daily census? Yes. So basically, yes. our hope is to have a high daily census, like more patients, but reduce the length of stay. 
so that because, you know, now as we are going into a capitated service, we want people to stay for a shorter time I see. in I the see. hospital. So the goal is to get the ALOS down, right. but the ADC, like, stat, you know, up. Right, or at least okay. stable. Yeah, um, stable. You, yeah. you, you effectively, uh, in, in sort of the managed care realm, uh, depending on your diagnosis, there are sort of general standards around how long a course of stay in an inpatient setting um, it should take for a routine admission mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. care of those things. So you don't have any complications, you don't have any additional uh, uh, um, hospital-acquired conditions that somebody may affect. So, you know, one of the standard ones is a, a routine uh, delivery. So their payers will give you a uh, per diem or a, uh, a, a uh, fixed rate for how long they expect for that person to stay in the hospital, 48 hours generally is the case. And if your length of stay is longer, then you're effectively losing money or you have to go for additional consideration for why you're justifying that that person needs to stay in that inpatient setting longer. So. You want to get down in, in sort of a general acute care hospital or different types of hospital. There are general length of stays that are around three to four days uh, that are sort of normal uh, when you get out to five and six days, which often happens and sometimes longer. In our cases, it's for the more complicated cases where you have comorbid conditions, you may have social work or case management issues that make it difficult for placement, or it's a really complex case. Uh, so that's that's generally you are generally trying to move towards a norm that is considering of all of those factors. And because of the capitation, we want to get closer to or lesser than that norm. Because of the hospitalization. Right, right. As appropriate. Well, the truth is you actually want to keep people out of the hospital as much of as course. possible. Right. And then if sure. they are there, you want to get them back into the community setting faster because it's just a riskier environment, environment right. for them. Yeah. Okay. You don't want them to be there any longer than they need to be there. Step four? Mm-hmm. We approved the plan as amended, just adding the Toyon monitoring. Okay. Can I clarify? Are you are you just adding Toyon and not taking anything off, or are you at this point? At this point, I'm adding Toyon, not removing anything, because I'm I'm doing an assessment, and I will report back at the next meeting what this will do to the plan, if anything. Do you want? the plan approved now or do you want to bring that back or you, or do you still want it well I mean it's the board's call it's an action item but wondering what you want to ask for here. Uh, I would like to have the plan approved as modified and to till Del Vecchio's point if you come back you do an assessment and you come back and you say we really need to put some things on relative to the toy on report you will modify the plan yes okay so Okay, so I will move um, approving the plan with the provision that it is open for modification at a later date. Second. Jim? Um, there's nothing else left for me to do but vote, yes. Okay, and your yes too. Thank you. Yes. Oh. Okay. Uh, so I was going to report one thing from the compliance program just because uh, the nature of the results. Uh, current regulatory activity, uh, I was talking about it a little bit earlier, the 340B drug program, we had a, an audit by Health Resources and Services Administration, which is HRSA, and 
we had an issue with the way that we were billing 340B drugs. Uh, years ago, the pharmacy director, previous pharmacy director, had asked that we take the modifier off of these drugs because we didn't need it. We were never going to bill that way. What does a modifier mean? A modifier indicates that it's a 340B drug. And we were not going to be using these drugs in a way that we would need to bill them with this modifier. And as a result of the HRSA audit and not having that modifier, uh, we are projecting a $5.5 million repayment to the drug manufacturers because of the 340B discounts. Uh, so the way the program works, if we don't get a discount on the drug, the state takes a discount. And if we get the discount, the state doesn't. So somebody always gets a discount. In this case, we got a discount. We didn't tell the state it was a 340B drug, and therefore it was discounted. So they took the discount, and now we have to make the manufacturers whole because we build them properly. So we are working with the manufacturers. I'm working with the pharmacy department and uh, patient accounting to make sure that these calculations are correct. And then we're going to be negotiating a settlement with each manufacturer that we purchased uh, 340B drugs from to see if we can get this number down. Uh, some of it may require a, a check all And we once. know how scrap for funds the drug industry is, so I can understand why this would be <laughs> Yes. Is the person still here? The one who decided that we no. don't need to do this. No, they are long gone. My goodness. We're, we're cleaning up the mess now. Uh, so that being said, uh, uh, and going through the uh, calculations for how much our potential liability was, I saw a lot of fluctuation in the 340B prices, and one day they're charging us $1,000 for a certain drug, and a couple of months later they're charging 5000 for the same drug. And I'm not sure that our pricing in the system is keeping up with the number of changes in the price, and so we may be undercharging uh, we're buying it at a higher price and we're not marking it up appropriately. We might not even be charging uh, the actual cost in some cases. So I need to go through and look at how we're pricing 340B drugs and make sure that uh, we at least get our money back. Yes. Another Ivan Delvecchio. Yes. Another Ivan. Mm -hmm. I'm there. Yes. <laughs> I've heard about this, but I don't, I don't think I've seen the report yet. Now, I, does this go... I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I was just No, asking. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Please, go ahead. I'll make sure you do get yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I didn't... The finding, but I didn't see the report. Do, does this kind of negotiation go to you, Mike? Is... No? Not necessarily. Who negotiates these typical things with a, a company like that? When, we're, when we have a fine to that extent... It could be directly with, with us, so the administration and, and the manufacturer, uh, and possibly, I don't think Hersa would get involved. I think usually, well, the one experience I've had here, it's just you negotiate a settlement with the vendor, and uh, and then uh, everybody comes to an agreement, and we just notify Hersa, so then you're, you're in compliance. because. You're so involved. you don't do the negotiations, though? Uh, 
The pharmacy director and I will be involved in those be negotiations. Uh, I want him to be me. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear what you said. We are going to work on this and try to keep as much money as we can. Yeah. Um, some of what uh, our consultant working with us on this project has indicated is uh, some manufacturers will tell us to go away. They don't care. Others will want every dime and uh, they'll say write us a check now. Uh, so we're going to work with each one of them and see what we can do and see if we can offer to buy some drugs at a future uh, price that would be higher uh, to make up for it. So uh, there's different ways to work the negotiation and uh, we do have an experienced uh, uh, pharmacist working with us that has done these negotiations before. Okay. 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 Uh, so we also had a HRSA FQHC audit, and we're still working through that process. Uh, again, we've had some issues with our NPI numbers. Uh, we need to make sure that that's straight, uh, which is why I have it on the plan for this year. Uh, but at this point, we don't have a quantifiable finding that uh, we're going to have to pay. Uh, the other audits, the audit of meaningful use. So you don't know what you're going to have to pay, but you know you're going to have to pay? Uh, there's potential that we would have to pay. Uh, so if some of the claims that we build did not qualify as uh, FQHC items, then we still may be able to bill those as fee-for-service. And based on some of the uh, dollar amounts that uh, of charges that were involved in those, we might even make more if we get fee-for-service than we did as a FQHC. Mm -hmm. uh, so it all depends how we negotiate these findings. Mm -hmm. See, it, as I recall, I think there were a couple things in the Toyin report about this too. So um, you might want to look when you when you start looking. You'll right, see. and they've been involved in this. We've we've been asking for advice on how to these things right. okay uh, <laughs> so the the audit of meaningful use by the office of inspector general and the uh, meaningful use by CMS there's been no significant change we're still working through uh, issues on those okay. okay any questions about regulatory okay and so the last one tab six I have updated the uh, calendar so that it reflected this meeting as well as the meeting in July. I think July 12th at 5 o'clock would be the next meeting and that would be when we meet with Moss Adams. And on our follow-up calendar we did have an item for the uh, audit primer that was going, going to be done by MGO a year or so ago and that's actually uh, on the agenda for the next meeting. Uh, I've worked, I actually developed uh, the documentation for what that looks like and worked it with the Moss Adams auditors. And so we will be talking about that uh, while they are here to make sure that everyone's in agreement. And that was July 12th, is that? Next meeting, yes. Okay. Anything any, else? any questions? Any, Jim, anything? No, I'm good. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
is is this helpful to you in the process? Is there something else you you need to help you? Um, I think getting that primer earlier because some of the other audits that I've uh, done or even like uh, you know. Um, I don't remember reading the management paper. I must have got it, but I have very little memory of it. So just kind of going through it because some of the expectations I might have about what the processes might be different based on the other organizations where I've been involved in that. So just what's the scale scope of this one. So if the, if the primer is ready, even though we're going to discuss it in July, I'd love to read that. Okay. Thank you. And, and Rick, what, what are the significant things you think ought to go to the, the board as a whole? Significant things from this review uh -huh. from our from our meeting are there because obviously we can't take the whole thing because then we we'd have another audit report at the at the board meeting. But uh, in order to report to the board as a whole, um, I want to make certain that they're kept in the loop about particular issues. I I think probably the pharmaceutical seems to me to be something we may want to take right. to them, and then the. Um, Compliance issues that you've been working through those things to me so if we could get those in a written form to the To the total board and we could add that to the board agenda for our meeting in June, maybe you Get that Susanna that we just need to add the audit So I know audit report is on the agenda for the audit report is on the agenda for our June meeting But those are the pieces that I think Rick um, I would like to be able to report out to the board. So if, if you could get that to me, since I'll be probably making that report. Is that too much to ask? Uh, when is the board meeting? 28th of this month. 23rd of this month. Yes, that, thank you. And when you said compliance? You, you can just take exactly what you have written here, and we'll just put it in. Uh, so the outpatient pharmacy, and did you say the one about the billing, the NPA? Uh, I was thinking more of the HRSA okay. and, and the uh, pharmacy. The, well, the, there's a HRSA 340B, which is the pharmacy, mm -hmm. and then there's the HRSA FQHC, which... That was kind of, kind of minor, right? The HRSA NPI? At, at this point, we don't know. Uh, we're still working through that. So which which one both when you the, say the FQHC one we're still working on oh, okay it, it's probably better to let them know no. that there's a potential right. than than okay hitting them later that saying so I think if you just take this portion I, I and will. we put it in the yes. in the board report I think that would be and then maybe the list of, of the activities in which the plan, you know, with the little dots so that they can see all the stuff that, that you intend to be working on. I think those two things, just as a report, it'll be information. We don't have to do anything verbal, really. Um, I will just say that information will be a part of the board agenda so that they can see the whole thing. So you want my audit plan? Uh-huh. Plan, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Great. And you just get that to Susanna, so you can just take it right out of here and send it to Susanna. Okay. Thank uh, you. Any other comments from outsiders? Okay. Then meeting adjourned.